Welcome back to Inside TBT, the official podcast of the basketball tournament. And there's no better time than right now to be listening to Inside TBT because we are under two weeks from TBT. It may be exactly two weeks, depending on when you're listening to this. But all the action kicks off, tips off, I should say, on the ESPN family of networks on Wednesday, July 19th. Wow, we are so close. I'm excited. I'm Andrew Zolden, the host of Inside TBT. Two awesome guests on the show today. The first one is the ringer's Tate Frazier. All right, he's not involved with TBT, but he's a massive, massive college basketball guy. You've got to follow him for all things college basketball, his podcast, One Shining Podcast. Here's the deal. If you need to know about who's playing in TBT, this is the interview to listen to. He... We break down, you know, these big-time players, what they did in college, what Tate remembers. He builds his all-time North Carolina team for TBT. Super exciting interview. And then, of course, a big name, Tyshawn Taylor. He's playing with Mass Street, the Kansas alumni team. Have a great conversation with him talking Kansas, NBA, Mass Street, TBT. You name it, we cover it. Let's get to both those interviews right now. Wait, I'm on mic. Hopefully my internet's all good. You sound great and you look cool. great. Perfect. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Joining me now on Inside TBT from The Ringer, Tate Frazier. Welcome to the show. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. Always happy to talk about TBT. I have uh, the Grantland TBT jersey uh, sitting over there back when Mike Bibby played in T uh, TBT back in the day. He was our coach. Uh, they did not let me play. They let all the NBA guys play. I was pretty upset about it, but it was probably for the best in the end, uh, even though they ended up losing. So maybe not. But uh, shout out to TBT. Always good to, to see you and talk about it. And uh, we get to talk about a lot more things outside of TBT, too. So I'm excited, man. Absolutely. I, I love that. And, you know, going forward, if the ringer ever decides to put a team in TBT, I'll make sure there's a clause that says Tate must be a rostered player. Yeah, I'm 30 now. So I'm like kind of I'm getting close. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I can play to like 36. That's that's about I got you got six years to get me. But after that, I'll be front office personnel. You know what I mean? Uh, Minister of conduct, whatever I have to do, I'll do it. So I'm in. Sign me up. I love it. We will definitely make that happen. Before we jump into TBT 2023, though, we got to right. talk a little TBT 2022. And for your sake, we'll keep it with, you know, the overtime elite team that played last year, which had the Thompson twins, who now, thanks to everything that they did and learned in TBT, were back-to-back top five draft picks. I want to ask you this, though, to start it off. If your Hornets would have taken Amen Thompson at two, would you have been able to talk yourself into that being a good pick and why? Yeah, I I like both the Thompson twins. I think it's a great story. I loved, uh, you know, seeing them. I thought they had great interviews. I did not really put two and two together. I remember now that you mentioned it, that they played in the TBT last year. Um, that was probably better competition than the overtime elite that they played in. So um, it was probably good for them. Got You know, kind of got them, got them ready for what they're going to see. Um, yeah, I had talked myself into the fact that Brandon Miller was the fifth guy in this draft, um, just based on some of the reports that I was getting and, uh, you know, he had mono, so it's not really his fault, but he was a little bit out of shape. So, um, you know, I'm in Thompson, the ceiling for him and who he can translate to be. I like his size. Um, I love, you know, that he's going to go to the Houston Rockets. I think he can be a foundational piece for them. And I think I could talk myself into him being actually a franchise guy for you, just the way he carries himself. Um, the confidence that he has, the ability to be a two-way player and the size, you know what I mean? And look, Brandon Miller, six, nine. So it's not really about the size. You can never measure what's in a man's mind or what's in a man's heart. And uh, I feel like that the Thompson twins, they have a basketball pedigree. Um, they have a lust for basketball knowledge. They know a lot about the game. I, I saw they played some, some game with one of these social media companies, right? And they were asking uh, Amin about, you know, who was the number two pick who or who was the higher or lower uh -huh. pick 
players and he got them all right. And I'm like, okay, these guys love basketball. Um, so you don't have to force them to want to be in the gym. So yeah, I could easily talk myself into it. In fact, my big board by the end of it was, uh, you know, Victor, obviously one scoot two, cam Whitmore at three. And that's a whole different story. And then I had Amin Thompson right there. So, um, you know, and, and I like his brother as well. I think he fits with w- what they have with Cade and Ivy. Um, he's going to be a nice piece for them also. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like both of the Thompson twins. So it would be easy to talk yourself into it. The only thing you worry about is the competition, right? The caliber of competition that they had when they played overtime elite, not to throw shade at the league, but it was uh not the highest quality of basketball. So I'll see how they translate. It might be a little bit of growing pains, but they're both really good and they both love the game. So that's good. I think I want to ask you this follow-up and we'll keep it with just these three guys. So Victor, Victor and the Thompson twins in a world where they go to college, where do they fit best in college basketball? And I'm sure you've talked about that regarding Victor in the past, but curious what you think. Yeah, Victor's a, you know, he he's tough one to really lock down. I mean, most people when we, you know, we pulled that like uh, a few weeks ago, myself and my producer Kyle and everyone said Gonzaga and it feels like, you know, that's just what when people think of foreign born players, they think of Gonzaga. I would like to see Victor at Arizona. I just think that would be great. He would, you know, then Arizona would have two top five picks in the last five years, which is, you know, kind of funny to me because it's DeAndre Ayton who it seems like Phoenix wants to ship out, but uh I, I would like him there. Um, the Thompson twins, I feel like every G League player says they wanted to go to Auburn or they expected to go to Auburn. The overtime elite guys, I don't really know what their go-to school is, but for whatever reason, when I close my eyes, I see one of them at Georgia and one of them at Florida. Um, and then they play each other in the rivalry. And uh, there's a whole conversation about, you know, Mike White was recruiting both of them to Florida, but then he went to Georgia and he could only get one. You know, that's uh, that's what I see in my mind probably not one-to-one they probably had a team they really liked but uh i like the idea of them splitting up and going to rival schools that would be great uh, whether it's like clemson south carolina georgia florida um that's just that's just kansas kansas state right i mean that would be great especially with jerome tang now uh, but the thompson twins could really play anywhere it probably would be in the sec just thinking about the athleticism it seems like the sec gets those guys now but um i think that's why i like the thompsons that you kind of plug and play wherever I, I agree with you. I, I think there's a world where you swap, you know, Tom Eamon Thompson and Anthony Edwards, and they do the same yeah. things that they, you know, one's doing the NBA, one's doing at Georgia. So I like that, that Georgia call there. That's a good one. What I want to do about TBT 2023, but I want to see which of these host sites you would be most excited to go to for a week. If you were a player. Okay, perfect. All right. We're going to start with weekend one. Weekend one, the options are Wichita, Lubbock, and it's Cincinnati, but it's it's Xavier. The games are at the Cintas Center. Which of, you know, Coke Arena, United Supermarkets Arena, and the Cintas Center would get you the most excited or the least excited? Well, those are all three basketball towns, I feel like. I feel like Lubbock is slowly, you know, buying, and obviously Chris Beard helped with that, the 2019 National Championship chip run that all helps but Lubbock is uh under the radar I feel like the dark horse there and a lot of people probably would scoff at the idea of Lubbock for, but for whatever reason I'm like it would be fun to play there because the crowd will be into it um I know they'll be into it at Centos um you know Cincinnati is a good basketball city but I'm actually going to go with Wichita Kansas uh that's where fans come from they are fanatical uh they are fanatics they love basketball. They get basketball. They are a basketball state, specifically a college basketball state. Like I, I think North Carolina is a college basketball state. I think Kansas is a college basketball state. Indiana is more of a high school basketball state, even though obviously they have IU, you have Purdue, but um, as far as what people care about. So I just feel like Wichita, I've never been to Wichita. I'm intrigued by the idea of going there. Uh, you have Wichita state, you have the fan bases. feels like people will go crazy for basketball. So of those three, I'll take Wichita. Maybe it's a bit of a zag, but you know, I, I like all three cities. No disrespect. I'm just going to go with Wichita. Fantastic. I'm actually going to Wichita this year. I'll be making my nice. Wichita debut. Never Love been that. there either. One matchup that I got to highlight for you is there's a potential second round matchup in Wichita of the Mizzou alumni and the Kansas Ooh. alumni. That's Ooh. a common theme this year. I'll get to some more of those potential rivalries here, which is your favorite. But then week two, all right, it's Syracuse. Wheeling, West Virginia, 
Mm. Louisville, and I'm blanking on the last one, Dayton, which we love Dayton. We go to Dayton all the time for TBT, but Syracuse, Louisville, Dayton, West Virginia, but specifically Wheeling, where are you going if, if those are your four choices? I've been to Minden, West Virginia, which is uh, I had some great times in college in Minden, West Virginia. We did like a little like cabin weekend experience up there. Insane place, insane state. Um, those people are crazy. And I say that with, you know, I'm endearing as I say that I love them. Um, so they're going to be insane in West Virginia. I feel like of those, I have to pick Dayton. Um, Dayton has a, a place in all of our basketball hearts and they deserve it. They love basketball. I'm a sucker for flight, you know, first and flight, right? Brothers Dayton. They love talking about being the flyers. We have a little connective tissue there. We love flight. I wouldn't be able to do half of the things I do without flight. Um, though I guess I could get on the train, but I don't want to do that. It's too long. Um, so I'm going to go Dayton. I always enjoy watching basketball, basketball in Dayton. Louisville's a sleeper. Louisville's also a bas- college basketball city. Um, they get it. So that's going to be fun. And, uh, I went to Louisville for a live show once upon a time at Headliners Music Hall. Great place, great city, uh, great people. They get it. You got a lot of good options here, um, but I'm going to go with Dayton just because you know they have a, they have a special place in my heart. You mentioned Louisville. That's a great transition into what I want to do next, which is name some of the former college stars yeah. who are now playing in TBT. So I'm going to start with this duo: Russ Smith, Peyton Siva. What comes to your mind when you think about those two and when you hear that they're going to be back playing on a Louisville court? Well, you mentioned back and I immediately think of Rick Pitino's back with the tattoo. Um, That's what I, that's my first image in my mind. Rick Pitino made a promise. He followed through the NCAA came and said, absolutely not. Um, But regardless, the tattoo lives forever. Those two guys are are great basketball players, great college basketball players. I feel like a lot of times the discourse because of NBA careers somehow affect and impact the conversation about college players, right? Like Juan Dixon is one of the best college players of the 2000s, but people don't put him on list because he didn't have this amazing NBA career. Um, I think those two guys, they kind of, they passed the, they passed the same test there. They're college legends. They're national champions. As far as I'm concerned, hang the banner in Louisville. They should hang the banner and that's must see TV. And those guys have a chemistry in a bat in the backcourt. And it's hard to find that, especially now where every guard wants to be a combo guard. So they're just trying to hog the position as one. So, uh, I like those two guys together. I'm going to watch. Yeah, I was actually with those guys last week, and Peyton was like, I don't care if I don't take a single shot. I'm just going to pass the ball to Russ. And Russ yeah. was like, Let I'm going to try to score as many as I can. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, awesome. I got a guy here that I, I think your reaction is going to be good. Thomas Robinson playing wow. with the Kansas team. What do you think of that? National player of the year. One of the greatest stories in college basketball history, unfortunately went up against an Anthony Davis one and done deal. That is unprecedented. Probably the best one and done in the actual rule era. Obviously Carmelo Anthony happened before the rule was put into place. Um, So Anthony Davis stopping Thomas Robinson, unfortunately is where my mind first goes, but then I'm going to work it back. And you know, he was America's sweetheart. That's one of the the things that I try to look for in the tournament. It, it felt like Marquise Noel this year and March Madness became America's sweetheart. Who is the Meg Ryan of the of the March Madness experience? Um, Thomas Robinson was that guy. He is uh, he's one of those guys also where his NBA career did not. You know, it kind of hurt the conversation around how great he was in college. And and Kansas needed that run. And Bill Self, when they won in 2022, he kind of, you know, brought Beckon back to 10 years before, talked about that team. So that's awesome. I love to hear it. I'll watch him. Thomas Robinson, not a fantastic NBA career, but has one of the best blocks ever when he was on the Trailblazers. If you know which one I'm talking about, you'll know what I mean. But I just want everyone to know. You need to, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. when you go to the league, if you're not going to have a, you know, 10-year career, you need highlight moments. So, Thomas Robinson, you got the – you check the box. That's what you needed. Especially as the TBT social media manager, I just need one NBA clip for it to go viral when we announce that these guys are playing. I just want everyone to know also, I didn't send Tate this list beforehand. He's – He's freehand in all these memories of these players. So I'm going to move on to a combo one. I mentioned earlier, potentially Mizzou, Kansas. We also could potentially get Texas versus Texas Tech in Lubbock. Two guys in those games, one from Texas Tech, Matt Mooney, on the other side on the Texas side for Austin's own, Kerwin Roach. So when you hear about that potential matchup, what, what do you think? 
Well, when I think of Kerwin Roach, I think of Las Vegas against Kobe White, North Carolina, Texas. Kerwin Roach, it was the best display of basketball I've ever seen. In fact, I would have drafted the guy in the lottery if I was guaranteed to get him every single game. I don't know what was going on. I don't know why. He must have wanted to play at North Carolina. An all-time performance. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. Kerwin Roach is amazing. Matt Mooney's a great guard. Um, I, I like that matchup. I mean, that that's a tough matchup. And I do feel like, and I, I don't, you know, I have some Texas people in my life. I only have one Texas Tech person. I'll ask her. But uh, I feel like without Chris Beard there, the animosity has to be a little bit down. It, it, and it has to be moving in the right direction. Obviously, your rivals, obviously, you don't like each other. It's the liberal. It's the it's the cowboy conservative. You know what I mean? It's it's there's a there's a dichotomy between the two fan bases. We get it. But I do think without Chris Beard in the equation, we can all be closer and more aligned. And uh, that'll that'll be a matchup, though, because, uh, I mean, maybe someone on Kerwin Roach's team should wear Carolina blue. It's like a bull when it sees red and maybe he goes off. That would be my suggestion uh, because he's unstoppable when he plays Carolina blue. I didn't vet this list of which guys had big games against North Carolina. So well, I I'll tell you, I remember. Don't worry. Tyrese Rice. I remember Malik Monk. I remember. I remember it's Anthony Bennett. I remember Vince Anthony did Anthony got drafted number one because he, he had like 35 points against Carolina. That's the only game that mattered. So uh, I remember always know that. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a little recent one here. Okay. Please. A big trend this year is guys who played last year in college, like literally months ago are playing in TBT this year. One guy, miles dread for Penn state. And mm. I know you're tuned into all basketball. You know, more Big Ten than Pac-12, I would say. But I guess you are out West. But Miles Dredd, one of the best Penn State teams ever this year, if not the best team ever. Where's your head go when you hear that he's going to be, you know, getting to keep shooting the ball for Penn State? Well, he's a Detroit guy. And uh, I know Detroit people love to hear the phrase, what up, doe? So if you see him say, what up, doe? And he's going to be like, damn, this guy knows. Uh, this guy knows something about Detroit. So there you go. That's something to have in your back pocket. Um, and like you said, I mean, it, it's unfortunate because now when you think of Shrewsbury, you think of Notre Dame and what he's trying to do there. But what they did this year was special. Um, Jalen Pickett was special. They had a really good team. Um, I thought they were going to, you know, I mean, they, they, they could have even done more than they did this year. I mean, just based on how good of a group they had there. So miles dread being there, um, you know, 23 years old going to be, I assume he's going to be on the younger end, right. Of players in this. So, uh, you know, bet on the young bucks, bet on miles dread. That that's what I would say. I got a story for you. So Please. a few, a few years ago, and now, of course, as I'm about to tell the story, I'm blanking on the name. The the kid from Illinois that was there for like four years, I think he's Brazilian. Um, he went Carbello. to Illinois. No, no not Carbello. Puerto Rican, obviously. Uh, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Well, whatever. He went right from Illinois basketball to the bubble and then got like a great overseas contract because of his what he did in TBT. Um, if I remember the name, I will text it to you, but I got two more guys. The first one is the wheat Mamba, the wheat Mamba. I came up with that nickname. I'm going to trademark it. Connor Frankamp. Oh my God. Uh, wow. That's a, that is a name that I did not expect to hear. Um, shout out to Connor. Um, wow. That, what team is he playing for? Is that, do they have a team? Yeah. The aftershocks they're, uh, they're a host team. He's like the guy in TBT, like his overseas stats. He averages like maybe like 10 fa- a game. He's like face of the franchise face of the franchise. He, it well, cause you know, we got the Elam ending and he's had like five crazy Elam ending game winners. He is the guy there. Wow. I mean, Connor Frankamp, shout out to him. The Kansas days, uh, one of the greatest like hairlines and haircuts in general. I mean, he's like JP McCure level character. Oh, that's the next one I was going to say. Oh, please. That's my guy. That's right, go into him. Go into him. JP. Yeah. JP McCure versus Mick Cronin. One of the greatest, you know, back and forth we've seen in college basketball history. I think that, that that just made the rivalry between Xavier and Cincinnati even better. 
Um, JP Makura, he was in the 3x3U that myself and Mark Titus called together the first year in San Antonio. He took a DMP the second day because he drank too much the night before. Um, one of the most legendary things ever. Just shows up to the gym full, just street clothes. Um, you know, there was rumblings that he was not going to play. He said it was his, he said it was a leg injury to us. And then off camera, it told us that it, you know, he was a little banged up. Uh, it, he did not care much about the three X three U. He cared about getting an NBA contract. So I don't blame him. If, if you're feeling not a hundred percent, you don't want to push it, but it was one of those moments where you're just like JP is a legend and uh great storyteller, funny guy. I think he gets a bad rap for being like a villain because of, you know, talking back and forth to Mick Cronin, but he's not a villain. He's a hero. So uh, if you want to pull for someone, I mean, honestly, it's hard not to pull for Connor Frankamp. I'm not going to lie. Um, but yeah, JP, JP should be, he's number one in my heart. So JP McCure, I'll be pulling for him. That's a great way to end that segment. I literally could do another 50 names for you. So maybe, maybe I'll just tweet at your Man, part two during I'm not going to lie. Connor Frankamp, that, uh, that was like a blast from the past. I was like, Oh my God, he's 27 I now. I can't believe that. I got to send you the one video from that is like the greatest basketball video ever. So I'll send you after this. The last thing I want to do though, PJ Hairston was supposed to play their team. Didn't get in. Whoa. JP Tokido, he's playing on the Marshall team, which doesn't make sense, but you love it. What build your starting five for a North Carolina TBT team? And here, here are the rules: they can't be on a current NBA roster, mm. and it can't be like Vince Carter, like a guy that is not on NBA roster but is is far retired. It's got to be an active guy that you know was great at North Carolina, and you would want to see again in TBT. Can I start with, does Tyler Hansbro count? I feel like he's enough out of it. Like, he's not playing professional basketball. He's a podcaster, just like me. He, I mean, he would be a GM. He would be probably, you can okay. pick one GM. All right. Well, Tyler would be my GM. And I would also, wink, wink, be like, you're a player GM. You know what I mean? I would tell teams before the tournament, I'd be like, Tyler can play. He is on the roster. He is active. He could play. Um, so don't get it twisted. We can always get him out there. Um you know, the good news, all right, so they need to be, like, in today's shape, too, right? Like, so it couldn't be, like, a, it couldn't be, like, the version of them in college, right? I couldn't take, like, Melvin Scott, but in 2005, right? That that wouldn't work. I couldn't that do, That would like, be cheating. I, that would be cheating. All right, so here but we go. But PJ, PJ Harrison, for example, showed up, you know, 100 pounds overweight a few years ago and was incredible. Yeah, because he is so gifted. I mean, he, yeah. he. I mean, PJ Harrison. High school. We played him in high school, and PJ Harrison would like pull up from half court. Like I. I mean, they talk about the three point revolution. Like the three point revolution from my vantage point was PJ Harrison and Reggie Bullock, and it used to be Bullock. Now it's Bullock. But those two guys, they were just they were just jacking it from everywhere, and you're like, wow, this is incredible. Um, wow. So all right, Kenny Williams. Let's put him on my team. I feel like Kenny is a, a leader, a confidant, um, someone I could trust. Kendall Marshall is the point guard. Um, Kendall Marshall, he's enough out of the league right now. He's coaching basketball. I feel like Kendall can can still get up and down if he needs to. We'll get him in there. John Henson, Hook Henson, he's out of basketball. He's a commentator. He's ready. He's in shape. Let's get him in the game. I like that. I like the little pick and roll with John and Kendall. John can pop out if you need him to. Just love that. So we got we got our point guard. We got our shooting guard. We got our four slash five. Um, let's think about who Luke May is the four. Luke May, Stretch May. Um, so Luke May is at the four. John's at the five. We're thinking about our small forward. We're trying to figure out who that's going to be. I think just to get him off the Marshall team so that he's not, you know, being a being a jerk and playing for another franchise. We want JP Tokato. Um, he's already in TBT. Maybe he gives us some, you know, background, you know, information on Marshall and what they got going on. So we got a little inside information. So yeah, Kendall Marshall, Kenny Williams, JP Tokato, Luke May, John Henson, Tyler Hansborough also can play. He's also active. So that, that's that's the six that I got for you. Kendall will never do it because he's like, no. Uh, John, I, I don't know. Maybe John is a call. Well, Who knows? He because it's because this is now next year because the field is set for this year, yeah, we yeah, could yeah. get Baycott and Caleb Love on the team. Those are oh, two guys that seem destined for TBT. 
Well, Baycott, if if it's next year, I hope Baycott gets a chance. Um, but as we saw on the NBA draft, the, they do not respect the college bigs. Uh, thank God Crazy. Zach Eady did, did not stay in the draft. I mean, that would have been really bad if if our national player of the year did not get drafted after staying in the draft. That would have been really bad. Um, so, yeah, Baycott, let's hope he gets a chance. But if not, like you said, be the GM, player GM, whatever it is, and uh, – Carolina needs a team. I, I don't know how it works. Or maybe just like the tobacco road team, right? Where it's like Wake Forest, Carolina, Duke, NC State. We all come together. The big four, and they make a run. The four horsemen. I don't know what the name is, but something something with the tobacco road guys. Um, I, I sign up for that. I like the four horsemen. I think that's the name right there. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. The big <laughs> all right, four. Tate, this has been great. Before I let you go. The half of this is for people to know. The other half is for me to know because I can't keep up with all of it. What is everything that you're doing right now? TV, FanDuel TV or Ringer TV presented right. by FanDuel, whatever it is right now. Let yeah. me get the rundown. Yeah. So one shining podcast is the podcast talks about basketball. We're going to be talking about the world cup. Uh, I like FIBA basketball. I like international basketball. So I'm excited to see what team USA looks like. Shout out to Paolo Bancaro, my guy lost coach K's last game for my Tar Heels. And now he's going to be an American playing for our country. I love this guy. Um, I don't, he's my favorite Duke player ever. Shout out to Paolo Bencaro. <laughs> um, so excited about that. We'll be covering that on one shining podcast. That's twice a week. So that's Mondays. That's Thursdays. It's one shining podcast. And then the TV show is called through the ringer. It is once a week for an hour long on FanDuel TV. The ringer has four TV shows. It is one of the four. Um, it is myself talking to ringer experts about their topics of expertise um and all things in between producer kyle is the producer on it so it's the two of us um you know so it's on FanDuel tv on tuesdays for an hour it comes on at nine eastern um in the morning 9 a.m eastern so uh gets you prepped and ready for all you need to know in pop culture sports all the above so it's four shows a week in total i know it's it's all very confusing and convoluted but one shining podcast through the ringer through the Ringer Podcast Network and the Ringer TV. Uh, but you also go, you, you go. also go on other people's shows. So sometimes it's like right. six shows a week. It's yes, I, I I am always down to be a guest. And uh, Kevin O'Connor, who does the NBA stuff there, um, I am in LA. He is in LA. He asked me because you know I'm fortunate to have BJ Armstrong in my life. So I mean, you know, I, I get to hear like the agent side of thing, you know, and and the, you know Kevin and all these NBA reporters sometimes it's, get a fresh ear from like a college vantage point. So yeah, I've been guesting and. Uh, I'm going to the beach in North Carolina next week, so I'm ready to turn off. So th this is my last uh, my last on-mic appearance until next week, so that's good. A well-deserved break. Final <laughs> question. This is how we end the show on Inside TBT. Any questions for me? Oh, wow. Um, how many years have you been doing this for, for TBT? I, uh, I, I feel like, what, it's been, what, four or five years now? Yeah, this is the fourth fourth tournament of Inside TBT. So, and now I'm nice. full time with yeah. them, which is, which is fantastic. But yeah, this is the fourth year of, of podcast. Year one was the bubble, which was, wow. It, it was actually great because we got to do every single post game interview on zoom. And now <laughs> when I'm like, I'm in or I'm in Wichita, I'm not going to be able to do a post game interview in, in Lubbock, but the bubble was had, had its advantages. And like, we got to interview Joe Johnson like four times because they won four games. Yeah, I, I saw Dana Carvey talking about that the other day. He was like, I kind of miss COVID. I, 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 I talked to more people. I was like, wow. I was like, what a world we live in now. But like you said, um, you know, you, you could get all the stuff because everything was over Zoom. What a weird time. Um, it feels like things are back to normal at some level. So hopefully this is a big year. Hopefully we get some crazy Elam endings for your sake for social media. And uh, I'll be tuning in. I mean, honestly, as soon as you said Fran camp, uh, I was like, I, I guess I got to watch. I mean, I, I need to see what he's up to. Um, is Perry Ellis playing? Like who, who else? Is, is there anybody no. else out there? Okay, good. Perry, Perry Ellis is not playing. But I got more guys on here that I didn't say. Buford is playing with the Ohio State team. Oh, Buford. John Harris playing with the Penn State team. Nice. Um, Scoochie Smith with, Gee, wow. with the Dayton team. Gabe York. This is a crazy one. You ready? Gabe York is playing with the Friday Beers team. So that makes no sense. That's just a random funny player on a funny. Shout out to Friday Beers. Good for them. Yeah. I like, I like the recruitment. You know what I mean? That's yeah. Jacob Pullen, K-State team. So there's a lot. 
a lot of names. If you want any of those guys on uh, one one shiny pod, you let me know. I'll, I'll I'll hook it up. All right, perfect, perfect. Uh, well, yeah, we'll be tuning in. I'll, I'll be sure to uh, hit you up. I mean, I might need Fran Camp, honestly. I uh, just to just to see what the hell he's up to. Maybe just five. Five five fast minutes with Connor Frankamp, you know what I mean? Um, what's your first car, Connor? Uh, that that type of question. That's what I want to hear from him. But uh, yeah, man, all good stuff. Appreciate you having me on, and uh, I'll be supporting. Thanks, man. Thanks for stopping by. All right, joining me now on Inside TBT from Mass Street, the Kansas alumni team, Tyshawn Taylor. Welcome to the show. What's up, brother? Happy to have you here. Happy to talk some TBT and Kansas. Need to get something off my chest, though. I hope it doesn't impact the interview. I went to Uh-oh. Mizzou. I went to Mizzou. I just got to get that out there, but I needed to tell you that. That's how we. That's how we starting this thing off. Huh? I needed. I, I knew that if I dropped that on you in the middle of the interview, you would maybe not be as trustworthy. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel it. I feel it. It's all good, man. It's all good. I, I hate that for you, but it's all good. Uh, sticking with that theme, the Wichita Super Regional is loaded with alumni teams. You know, th- I'm going to name a few and not even all of them. Kansas alumni, Wichita State, Arkansas, Kansas State, Mizzou, Memphis, Temple, Colorado State. I mean, there's a ton of alumni teams. You've played in TBT before. Before we talk, yeah. Mass Street specifically, how cool is this super regional? I think it's really, really cool. I think that it's in Wichita and having, uh, like you said, the Missouri team, the K-State team, the Wichita State team, our team, um, I think that will bring a lot of fans. So I think it will be a packed house for all of the games. Um, Colorado State, I think uh, it'll be good. I'm, I'm excited for it. Um I played in Wichita a couple of years ago, I think, with the self-made team. And so I know the atmosphere is going to be legit. Um, and it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be really, really fun and competitive. Like you say, you just named some some damn good, some damn good uh schools, um, which I know has some great players play at them. So looking at some of those rosters, I know it's gonna be competitive. And so I'm excited about that. So when you look at your team, obviously you got some former teammates played with Thomas Robinson. I'm expecting him to you know, be an absolute force in this, but who are some guys on the team that you're most excited to, you know, reunite with, get to play with again, or even for the first time? Well, for sure. T Rob, that's my boy. Like, like I've, I've, I've had my best moments in basketball probably beside him. So I'm definitely excited to play with him. We've been trying to get him to play in a couple of other, other TBTs with us. And he didn't for, for overseas and basketball purposes, but um, his schedule worked out this year. Um, the twins, coaching that helped us help us lock it in um so i'm excited to play with t-rob i'm excited to get out there with keith lankford um just got a chance to play with him a month ago in the charity game and he looks great um still still the same Keith i remember so i'm excited to actually get to play with him um always grew up watching him a big fan of him his process and uh the route he took to to be such a legend overseas um so excited about that um, and then just to see some of these young guys uh, who are still actively playing now. I still I mean, got you. Yeah, I still okay, got cool. you. Some of the some of the young guys who are still actively playing now with some chips on their shoulders and still got, got some things to prove, like a Marcus Garrett or Diedrich Lawson, uh, a Legero Vic. Uh, some of these guys are, have been playing nonstop basketball since they left Kansas, and a lot of people don't get to see it because it's not on like this huge NBA stage. Um, so I'm excited for them to be able to play in front of their fans and some of their family and get to play on TV. I think um, being a guy who played in this before, that that those couple of weeks where you're getting that TV time and people, it's the only basketball going on. It's fun, especially when you've been playing overseas and you're not getting those text messages after games and things like that because people are on different times. It's, 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 an, it's an enjoyable couple of weeks. So um, I'm excited for all of it. Yeah, I think when, you know, you first reached out and when it was first like, hey, let's get a Kansas team in, it was like, oh, Kansas big brand could be cool. Then it's like, all right, the the uh, Morris twins are coaching. That's pretty cool. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, this is a, a championship caliber roster here. Do you guys have championship expectations for this team? For sure. For sure. I think we want to make it as competitive as possible. We want to we want to 
start something that we can continue to build off from summer to summer. Um, and I think it's been it's been tough trying to get guys to commit, but I think if we um, if we do well and handle this the right way and compete and make it competitive and guys see how um, how the experience is just a dope experience, um, I think it'll it'll help us, you know, for for future summers. But I'm also really excited about the team that we built with this year. Like I said, I just named about five or six guys that I know for sure are still actively playing, are going to come in the best shape um, with great attitudes and, and want to compete. So um, I'm excited about that. Like I said, like I said, off air, um, I'm probably the only one who's not coming off like an NBA basketball season um, just because I haven't played um, like overseas in the last couple of years. But uh, that's that's exciting for me because I know I'll be in shape and I know I'll be ready. But to 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 know these guys are, you know, taking it serious and committing to this and wanting to play hard, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I think the team has a chance to be really good. Obviously, you know, the fans for Kansas basketball travel well. It's a little weird. You're going to be playing, you know, home games in Wichita. You and I both expect the fans to show up. Thinking back to your time at Kansas, is there a game? that you remember where you were like, you know, the fans are always crazy, but tonight was just like a different level of Kansas craziness here at uh, Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah. Against Missouri, 2012. (laughs) Did you see I I posted that game yesterday? Yeah. Every Missouri, every, every Missouri game in KU, every K-State game, they're pretty legit. Like they're they're pretty legit. Then you'll have like a good Texas team sometime that comes in there and it gets loud. Like I remember my freshman year, Texas was really good and it got super, super loud in there. We played really well as a young team. Um, and it got super loud. Like I said, the Missouri game in 2012 was probably the loudest I personally heard it uh as a player. Um yeah, but any anytime we play Missouri there, anytime we play K State there, and it's a and it's a competitive game where it's not like a blowout or like we're just playing bad. It's usually it's usually one of those games where you're just like, damn, like this is this is crazy. Like, like I definitely remember moments in that Missouri game where I couldn't hear Cosell calling plays. Like I had to like look at my teammates and be like, yo, what did he just say? As I'm bringing the ball up, getting pressured by like. Feel pressure, you know, like I'm like, what? What did he say? Because I couldn't, I couldn't hear it, and yeah, so it, it, it it's it's ridiculous, honestly. It, it, even road games, like even like you go to Iowa State, it's a bunch of KU fans there. You go to you go to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State or Oklahoma, it's Colorado. When we used to play against Colorado, it would be more KU fans than Colorado fans there. Like, like you said, they travel well, and and in Kansas, you know. From Wichita to freaking Manhattan, wherever, there's going to be Kansas fans. So you're going to yeah. see some Jayhawks in, in, in the crowd anywhere in Kansas for sure. Yeah, that's great. The, I think the crowd's going to be crazy. You mentioned Missouri. We've already mentioned Missouri a lot. The bracket lines up that if Mass Street wins round one and the Show Me Squad wins round one, we'd get a little border war in TBT in round two. I know you're focused on you know, we are D three your round one matchup, but in the event that you played the Missouri team, is that something you would be excited about or it's just another I, game for you? Absolutely. I absolutely would be excited about it. Just because like you said, we're in Kansas. It's a, it's going to be a bunch of Kansas based fans. So I'm sure it'll be evenly split. It's not more Missouri fans. Um, so I'm, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'd be excited for that. I'd absolutely be excited for that. I'm not sure what their roster completely looks like, and if it will be a bunch of guys on your team that I personally played against in my time in Missouri, but just anything Kansas, Missouri is going to be fun and competitive and the fans will love it. Um, we can, we can make something out of it. You know, we can make, we can make, we can make it a competitive game and just, and just, and just have fun with it. But I'm really scared for this D3 team just because I, I know we don't know a bunch of the guys and a bunch of the players. So we're going to have to do a bunch of, you know, our, our own kind of scouting report on some of these guys. Um, and so that's a scary, that's a scary team when you don't know, when you don't know who you're facing and how, how things are going to play out. Um, so I am, I am, I am a lot worried about them right now compared to the Missouri, but that, that would definitely be fun. Um, and yeah, when we had that self-made team, we came in 
and we, I think we lost the sidelines of cancer when they had uh, Marcus Keene just kind of went crazy on us. But not only that, it was a couple of other guys who um, we didn't know based off of what school they went to or by name right away. And they came out and played really well. And um, we weren't ready for that. And so I want to prepare better this time around. I think that's a good, good mindset, especially for a team like yours that has championship aspirations. Thinking back to your tournament times at Kansas, you, you guys went on some big runs, you know, final fours, et cetera. When you were playing in March madness, do you have a favorite game from, you know, your postseason runs? Yeah, absolutely. I got a favorite game from every year, probably. Set my set my sophomore year when we lost in the first round to Northern Iowa. I don't have anything to say about that year. But um my freshman year, I played really good against uh Michigan State in the Sweet 16. We, we ended up losing to to a great, a good uh Michigan State team, but I played really well. Um was excited about that for myself as a freshman being on that stage. Um, my junior year, uh, I had a few good, I had a few good games. We ended up losing to, to, to VCU in the elite eight, but I played really well against, uh, CJ McCullum and Lehigh that, that first round. Um, again, another, just kind of, kind of, uh, like good thing for myself ending the season, even though it wasn't like a great team ending season. And then my last year, that game against North Carolina was probably my best game to get us to the final four. Uh, I didn't really play great up until that point. Didn't shoot the ball. Well, my numbers weren't great. Um, had a good season, but up until that, like up until that elite eight game, I didn't really play good in the tournament, but that game I played like really, really good. Got us to a final four and was into my career at Kansas in the national, as a national championship uh, contender. So, um, yeah, I was excited about that. Did they? Did Kansas win the championship the next year? Nope. They didn't win again until they won, like, like last year, two years ago. So, so when you were on the team that beat Ohio State in the Final Four, right? Yeah, and we lost to Kentucky. Right, right. So, I, I was like ten, maybe. Maybe this was what, 2012? Yep. 2012. So that was uh, all right. I was like 13. I was like 13 or 14. Thanks for showing my age over here. Maybe I was 15. I think I was 15. And I remember because I'm a huge Ohio State fan. I'm even repping the Ohio State basketball right now. I'm a huge Ohio State fan. You guys dropped Missouri bombs on me, repping Ohio State on the call. What is this? And I remember my dad like woke me up and like was messing with me. He's like, Hey, they, re- they reviewed it. And uh, Ohio state actually did beat Kansas and they're in the national championship. And I was like 15. So I kind of bought it. I was like, Get out. yeah, no way. Um, but like was playing, was playing in the final four, the most nervous you ever were as a player. Did you not really get nervous? Where, where do nerves? Oh yeah. I do. I'm super. I'm super in my head, bro. I got nervous before every game just because I wanted to play well, not because I was like scared or like, like, like of the moment. But I was. I just always wanted to play well, and I come from a, a long line of coaches that demanded a lot from us, and so wanting to do the right things and play right, and also wanting to you know show people who I am individually. So just trying to you know gauge all of that going into a game that means a lot. Um, there's a, there's some pressure there. Um, so definitely nerves. But once the ball goes up and you you go you get up and down once or twice, you take one or two shots. That shit goes right away. Then it becomes like riding a bike. Now you just now you're just doing what you know how to do, and the moments don't start to make sense until or they don't start to build up or like feel like pressure until you're in the game. Like you're down five with a minute left. You got to lock in like it's pressure, but there's no room for like thinking about the pressure. You're just thinking about the moment. I got to get a stop. I got to get a bucket. I got to lock my man down. I got to help. I got to make this play. I got to make this shot. So yeah, there's always pressure. There's always nerves, but when you work on it so much and you do it so much and you're in these situations so much, it just starts to it just starts to feel like a regular day. What's the expression? Pressure makes diamonds, or something sure. like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. I've, I've asked you a few times to pinpoint specific moments, specific examples. You had some. You had some NBA time. 
So I have kind of a two-part question. The first one is, what's your like go-to NBA story that you tell like at a party and people are like, hey, you played in the NBA, like give me a story. And then the second one is, and it could be a combo, like what's the funniest trash talk interaction you had in the NBA? It could be when you were on the bench, it could be you talking, but we'll start with that one. Trash talk moment that sticks out to you from the NBA. Well, I, I got a chance to play with Kevin Garnett my last my last season in the NBA. And I think he's probably, I think anybody will say he's probably top five trash talkers in NBA like history. And so like in, in every any day with him was just like a regular, like, you just never know, bro. Like you'd be on his team. We had practice. If you're not on his actual team that you're playing against, you're getting like he's calling you all type of bums and why are you here? Like who drafted you? Who made the decision to like like <laughs> why are you here, bro? Like what you doing? Like like, like, just regular, like, every day. And then you go in the locker room, and he, like, tucking you under his arm. You know what I mean? He's sending you to the store, letting you keep thousands of dollars worth of change and stuff like that. So he was, like, one of the best vets that I had, but also the, like, biggest trash talker. And teams hated playing against him, which, again, I think that's like a, you like like anybody who's played with him or played against him would say you love him on your team, but you hate playing against him. So I've seen him trash talk literally everybody like literally everybody from Kobe to LeBron to like Carmelo like I've literally seen him trash talk every single person in the NBA and them look at him like bro this guy's fucking crazy I think but, the best, but one I of think, the best teammates I think there's that one story of him where Joakim Noah was like hey man I had your poster on my wall and he was like I don't give a fuck like, yeah, like, I don't, like, what? Like, why are you talking yeah. to me? You're not on my team, bro. He was really like that. Like, he was legit, really like that. Even when you're on his team, he pushing you in certain ways. Kind of similar to how I, like, hear stories about, like, I was just watching The Last Dance last night. Just similar ways that, like, Michael Jordan would try to get, like, the best out of his teammates in his own way. And he meant well, and I think his teammates knew. But if he wasn't his team or on his team and was around him every day, you wouldn't get it. You'd be like, this guy's a dickhead, you know? But, mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I got the most from him in my, as a teammate in my, in my short period of time in the NBA and even my shortest season with him, I got the most from him of how to be a professional, how to, like, I met the guy at 36. He got drafted at 18, so he was in the NBA half by the time I met him, he was in the NBA half his life. That's all he knew was how to be a professional basketball player. And so just the way he approached every day and took things serious and how he just maintained his professionalism that long um, was amazing. And he was like, I, again, I took the most from him and had the like, most common, like real conversations. And, and so, again, that goes back to the second question about like the NBA story that I tell is, is him is like regarding him. Like, so I remember my second, like going into my second season when we got the trade that we would get Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and so a bunch of guys left and they invited everybody left on the team to like Malibu to like hang out. So like my first meeting with uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and them, we like eating at Nobu on the water. We got this like back room, smoking <laughs> cigars and like chilling. And I'm just like, holy shit, this is about to be a fun season. You know, like, I'm like, I'm a second-year guy, and my entire team, literally, my entire team after me and the rookie who got drafted that year were 10, 11, 12, 13, 15-year guys, guys that made $200 million in their career on their way out, but they're ready to try to win and compete. And so I'm just, like, taking all of this in as a second-year guy. Like, this is crazy, bro. Like, I'm doing shit that, like, and this was like every day. That was the first meeting, but this was like every day for like until we start losing. And every mm -hmm. 15 guys was like, fuck that. Like, I ain't doing this. But like, this was every day for months, bro. And I was just was like, I didn't have to do anything. I never had to pay for nothing. I never had to do anything but carry bags. That's great. And I was like, so was that the year when you slash the Nets lost in seven to the Bulls in the first round? Were you on that team? Yeah. So that was my first year. That was my okay. rookie year. And then the okay. next year we went and got those guys and came back. And then I, I didn't play the whole season. So I ended up getting drafted, like getting uh, released right after all-star break. So like around March or something like that. So I didn't finish the whole season, but they ended up going back to the playoffs that year. And I think they won the first round. 
could be mistaken. Um, but yeah, my first year was the year that we went seven to the with the Bulls, a D Roseless Bulls, which we should have won. But Nate Robinson just went bananas on us. He went like absolutely bonkers, bro. Like, yeah. We yeah. weren't even like, not that we weren't worried about him because he's Nate Robinson and we knew how good he was, but he wasn't like scouting report was like athletic, take shots, and that's it. Like, you know, and whatever else you know about him. And he just went crazy. Like we didn't know what sets they were running for him. And he was coming off down screens, shooting, blocking shots. He was doing everything. So in this is my last question for you. In college, you know, you might be playing a random school like North Texas. All right. Obviously, there's going to be a ton of scouting because you may have never heard of the two starting guards on North Texas. But in the NBA, what's the scouting report look like when you're playing, you know, like LeBron, who everyone knows, and or you're playing even like CJ Watson, who like every single starter in the NBA, every single, you know, one through eighth man. Like, you're never going to be in the NBA. You're like, who is this guy that's scoring 20? Like, it's so publicized. What does yeah. the scouting report look like before a game against a team where you personally know, like, all eight guys that are going to be in the game? It's, it's it's real detailed. It's more like, so like you brought up like a, like a LeBron. So, like, it's more what he's doing off the set. So, like, LeBron likes to come off his, his downstream. So, as he's coming off his downstream, let's give him a quick bump and let the guy get through. So, it's not more about what to do once he get it, but like how to maybe stop him from getting it or pushing him out further from getting it. Or like uh, if we want to double team, hey, when, when he catches it, make sure you send him left because that's the way the double team coming. If he gets middle, we're done type of thing. So it's more about what we want to do based off of what we know he is, like how we want to guard him based off what we know he is. And like a CJ Washington, it's the same. Like I played with CJ, so CJ – if I'm not mistaken, was really good shooting like his pull-ups going left, but attacking going right. So it would be like that thing. Like if he's coming off the ball screen going left, we gotta go over because he wants to shoot it. But if he's going off a ball screen going right, we can get under, quick under, because he still can shoot it, but we want to make sure that we get under and to him because he could he he likes to drive more going right. So it'd be more like detail. Like, like I I always got a kick out of getting like getting other team scouting report and looking at what they would say about me. Like I always got a kick out of doing that. And so I would always like, if I got a teammate on like an old friend on the other team or like, I would always ask like, what's the scouting report? Like what they saying about me? Cause I would always want to know what other teams, like how they're trying to guard me. And my thing was just like, he's super fast. So we're going under all ball screens um, and he's athletic. He's going to play defense. He's going to run in the passing lane and, things like that. So I always got a kick out of like trying to see that and know that. So preparing for the next game or the next matchup, I know, okay, he's going under this screen. So I'm going to tell my big, I don't like to shoot. So I'm going to tell my big to rescreen. So now I'm getting a double screen. And so if he goes under and under the second one, I'm going to be at a position where I feel comfortable shooting. So I would like to know things like that. So I can prepare myself for how they're guarding, you know? So starts to become when you're at when you're at that high level and the skills are so high level, it just starts to become about IQ, which is why guys like Jokic could could be back to back MVPs and not be the most athletic guy because he understands the game. He knows how he's getting guarded. He knows where the traps and double teams are coming from. He knows his teammates knows, okay, when he gets double team, I need to cut, he's gonna give it to me. And so mm -hmm. knowing that, they can play so good off of each other and off, off with him, um he doesn't not that he, has, he doesn't have to do that much, but he doesn't have to be the most athletic guy to have the biggest impact in the game because he sees it and understands it. And that's, that's I mean, at that level, that's what it becomes about, which is why LeBron is so good still. Makes a ton of sense. I appreciate that that detailed explanation of, you know, For NBA sure. scouting. Before I let you go, this is how I end every interview. Do you have any questions for me? Flip the tables on you. You're the interviewer now. I'm the interviewee. One question. One question that I have for a guy that went to Mizzou wearing an Ohio State shirt. I have I have to literally sit and think about what question I can ask. No. Um, I, I guess, like, how, how hyped up as a Missouri person who went to Missouri and was on the other side of this, how hyped up were those, like, Hey, you games, those like for you guys, like how serious was it the week before or the day before 
Like so, I know for us, we were camping out and we were like, it was legit madness for days or weeks prior to that game. So unfortunately, because of my age, I went to Mizzou when the border war was canceled. Mm. So the only, the only Kansas Mizzou game that I went to and that was even happening as a student was the exhibition game in Kansas city a few years ago where Damn. they were like, everyone's going to play it's for charity. And then it ended up being like a crazy game. Michael Porter played the whole game. You know, the Kansas guys played the whole game. So that's the only experience I had as a student. And that was absolute mayhem. When they dropped the tickets for that, they sold yeah. out instantly. Everyone drove from Columbia, the two hours to Kansas city. That was like a huge event. And then it was big time when they announced that, the border war was coming back, but I never got to experience as a student, like the hype and build up to that game. But I know some people still at Mizzou now. And, and they say that like, it was awesome when KU came to it's Columbia madness, this bro. year, but you guys, it's, it's, it's just not close right now. Unfortunately, like I think both games have been like 20 to 30 point blowouts. Oh, since yeah. they brought it's, it back. Been, it's been, it's been some beat downs. For sure. Yeah. It's just it's been some I mean, beat downs. You guys are national champion, right? National champion last year or two years ago, and then you know last year it's similar guys from the championship team plus you know Brady Dick and and experienced guys. Like it's just it's not it's not close right now, unfortunately. But it wouldn't have been close when I was at school either. Besides the one year in the exhibition matchup, which was close. So I'm I'm hoping it gets a little closer in years moving forward. And I'm really hoping, you know, we potentially get a mass street versus show me squad in TBT. Cause that'd be a little summer border war, which is fun. That'd be fun. That's for sure. It'd be fun. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you continuing the interview. Once I let you know, I was a Mizzou fan. Um, looking forward to, you know, hanging, watching you guys play in Wichita and you know, you're welcome to come back on the show whenever you want. For sure, brother. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed both of those interviews. As I mentioned before the interviews, we are two and under weeks away from TBT. Wow. It's time to get fired up. Make sure you're following Inside TBT. Make sure you're following at the tournament. Make sure you're giving me a follow at Andrew Zolden. We got more content coming out Wednesdays, Fridays, maybe a couple surprise Mondays. And then, of course, we're going all in TBT starting July 19th. Let's get it. We're so close. Play the
shove, wave that towel in your hand. Rock with it, and lean with it. My team win it, my team win it. Now rock with it, and lean with it. My team turn up when I spit it. Now rock with it, and lean with it. My team win it, my team.